You are listening to Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where normally we talk about movies that just came out, but today we are going to talk about something that came out in 1976. Today we are talking about Martin Scorsese's, not his first movie, but one of his early movies, Taxi Driver, starring Robert De Niro. So, uh, yeah, we both watched Taxi Driver. Um, we have a lot to say about it, and uh, it'll definitely help if you've seen it. If you haven't seen it, I mean, you should watch it, but it's a 40-year-old movie, so... Maybe be prepared for spoilers. There's not too much you can really spoil in this movie anyway. Um, also might help, but at one point I bring up The King of Comedy, which is another Robert De Niro, Martin Scorsese movie from a couple years later. Uh, also, it's kind of similar, and it uh, might help if you've seen that as well. But again, you know, we're just going to talk about this movie regardless. So yeah, there you go. And um, here's probably a clip from the movie. Otherwise, uh, we're just going to get right into it. You're listening to Classic Movies Live, and today we're not talking about something that just came out, but uh, this is still pre-recorded, so. Anyway, we're not going to date ourselves, which means no one will ever know that we recorded this on May 17th, 2018. Crazy, Amazing. right? Amazing. Yeah. yeah. No one's ever going to know that. I, for one, think it's a great idea. What? Not dating ourselves? Yes. That's a good idea, yeah. Uh, always try, try when you can to date other people. Well, the thing is, uh, if you don't date it, then it can never seem old, right? That's true. Especially since it's a movie that already came out. Yeah, so this is a movie that's been aw- been around for... Uh, 76, so... Yeah, so longer than 30, most of our audience, I would assume. 40, of course, yeah. <laughs> 40, 40 years ago? 40, 43. 43 years. 40, yeah. 43 years. So this, yeah. is, this wasn't Martin Scorsese's first movie, but it no. was, like, pretty early. Third yeah. or fourth, probably. Yeah. Um, it definitely felt a lot different than his current stuff. Yeah, so... I, as far as I can, like, I don't know what I've... I've only seen, like, what The Departed and Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. I feel like there's one more, but um, it definitely... Mm, I wouldn't... It was just very... I, it was, I, I feel like it was a very big product of its time. Before we uh, before we really dive right into it, I'm just going to let everyone know what we're talking about. Oh, yeah, we, t- we never <laughs> so, mentioned uh, Today uh, we decided to watch a classic movie. We're watching. Uh, we watched Taxi Driver. Um, so yeah, one of Martin Scorsese's early movies, 1976. Robert De Niro as uh, Travis Bickle was his name, if mm. I remember right. Um, yeah, so we watched Taxi Driver, and like, there is a plot to this movie. Like, it's it's there's a pretty clear plot, but like, <sighs> I kind of feel like the movie's not really about that. So do, oh, yeah. do you want to do you want to describe kind of what happens or? I can try just, to the best. I mean, of my just ability. briefly, like as far as the plot goes, it's not, it's not super involved. Yeah, because yeah. it's really more of a character study of Travis Bickle. Yeah, so Travis Bickle, from what I can tell, is a retired Marine. He was on, honorably discharged from the Marines. The Marines, because he's and only twenty six, so it's not really yeah. retired. He did not look twenty. He looked really old, by the way. Really? I thought, well, I mean, I didn't think he looked 26, I but might, I thought, like, he looked... Like, like, 40, I want to say. I wanted to say, like, 30. Like, okay. he, like, maybe an old 30, but still yeah, 30. Yeah, okay. yeah, okay. I mean, okay. But, yeah, so he applies to be a taxi driver, and then the movie just kind of follows him around driving taxis and learning how shitty the world is and his quest to, like, kind of understand it slash solve it. But, like, yeah, I guess, I but, guess, like... 
how much of what you even just said is true is probably yeah. what we're going to get into talking well, about like, today. There's like lots, I want to say there's lots of layers to his motivations. Yeah. Right? Um, but yeah, that's, that's essentially the plot. Like he basically, he, he, he trains himself to like do assassinate someone and then he doesn't. Yeah. He, then, he kind of, by the end of the movie and I'm not going to give away the ending. We probably will eventually. It's a 40 year old movie. What a spoiler. Yeah, come mean? On. But like, <laughs> I mean, I feel like giving away the ending wouldn't really. Yeah. But basically by the end of the movie, he try he basically tries to either become, or at least like do one act of vigilante justice. That's basically what he's trying to do by the end. Yeah. And like, that's not necessarily his goal throughout the whole thing, but that's kind of... He, he basically becomes radicalized through the course of the movie, I guess, mm. is what you could say, mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah, so you, you want to go through it step by step? Or? Yeah, I, yeah. let's let's uh, let's do it. You said you had a lot of questions, so like, let's just start yeah. with you, because I'm, I'm sure that I'm, we're going to have some of the same questions, and we're going to get to those. All right, all right. Okay, so the movie starts... Okay, first of all, I don't really get the significance of him. The movie, because the movie starts, uh, the movie's called Taxi Driver. Yeah. And it starts with him, like, applying to be a taxi driver. Yeah, and, and the stuff, reason right? that he applies to become a taxi driver is because he's suffering from insomnia. He yeah. just wants to work long hours. He wants to, like, he might as, he's keep like, himself busy. He wanders the city at night anyway, so he might as well make money off of exactly. it. Exactly. Um, but what, what, what significance does that bring to the plot? It feels like it's such a major thing, you know? It, like, the movie centers around his life as a taxi driver, like, you don't, it's, he, like, uh, that's his persona, and it starts with that, and it ends with him being a cabbie, and, like, I'm just confused as to why a taxi driver, it, it was it so that he could, because it gave him the motivation to, like, he, he met people he wouldn't usually meet yeah, through, through I think, being a taxi, was it just a plot device? I, I think kind of, like, if anything, it's just to, like, so, from being a taxi driver, he gets to, like you said, meet people he wouldn't otherwise meet. He gets to, like, drive around, so he gets to see the city. And, yeah. like, in a way, kind of the city becomes its own character, in a, kind of. Mm. Mostly through, like, ambient people. Because there's certainly, like, there's a lot of very, very significant, incredibly minor roles in this. Mm-hmm. Like... Like Harvey Keitel's character. Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't... I would call him a little more significant than what I'm talking about. Okay. I'm talking about more, like, at one point, he's driving around someone, and he pulls up to the curb... And just lets the meter run, and the guy's like, "See what's going on up there? I'm gonna go kill that guy." Oh yeah, yeah. that was an interesting. That scene. I don't actually. So, we're gonna talk about this a little more later because this ties into uh, one. This ties into some of the similarities with another one of uh, Scorsese's early movies. Mm. Um, but I don't know if that scene exists. If that, if that scene actually happened. Oh, you think it was in I his think, head? I think that at least part of that was in his head. I don't know how much, but at least part of it. Like his internal monologue? Not really. Like, I think part of that scene happened, but I don't think that that scene happened as it played out, if that makes sense. Mm. And also, like, that scene cuts off, too, so I don't know where that goes, either. I just, it felt like a big motivating factor in the movie. Yeah. Like, that, that's kind of when... Didn't, did he did he own a gun before that? Did he, he didn't buy... own a gun before that. So yeah, that's I've... kind of the spot where. But like, so that's that's during a time in his life when he's really really down about basically being rejected by this girl that he's been going after. Yeah, I mean, like, I'd say his life was pretty shit already. It wasn't good that, in the first was, place, but the like, girl was like the last straw. That was kind, and that's that's what I'm thinking is like at that point is kind of the last straw, mm-hmm. and so I'm wondering if like. 
that person even exist? Did that encounter even happen? Or was that just, like you said, kind of his internal monologue or like him? Or was most of that his internal monologue or something like that? I, I kind of wonder about stuff like that. I want to say it was real because I remember, remember when he was talking to Palatine, Palatine the politician pa- yeah. in his car? So there's a scene where they're talking. I guess Travis, he acts very... Um, he, he really likes this guy, right? Yeah. He's a massive supporter. Mm-hmm. And then, but as the conversation goes on, he talks about, like, what could you fix about the city, right? Yeah. And he talks about, like, the scum and, like, how he would, he kind of goes, he basically implies, like, he just wants to, like, kill all the, in what? my opinion, he implied he wants to, like, basically kill all the people that, that are, like, scum yeah. in the city, right? He ba- and yeah. start fresh. And then I feel like, because that, that scene felt weird, right? And I think he he felt off about saying it. But then this other guy, like, just out of nowhere, just kind of, he kept talking. And then, like, all of a sudden he wants to, like, murder his wife, right? Mm-hmm. And that was kind of, like, the sign where he's like, oh, I'm not alone, you know? Yeah. A lot of other people feel this way. But by that time, like, he clearly already has this idea of what he wants to do by the beginning. Because that's what his whole um, conversation with Palantine is about. Like, he's talking about... He's, he's sort of just, like, getting off his chest, like, how he feels about the city. Yeah. And he already wants to do something about it. Like, he wants to be somebody yeah. throughout the movie. And then, like, all of a sudden, this guy gives him an idea of how he could be somebody, in a way. Yeah. Like, a really warped idea. But it's for that reason that, like... No, that that's why I'm, like... I mean, I keep coming back to this, but that's why I'm, like, not sure how real that even is. You know, it's not, like... I mean, it makes sense, too. Mm. I don't know. I'm not sure where I was going with that. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah. Well, I thought that his motivation was really... Because you said his motivation was, like, to clear out the scum, right? Yeah. But he doesn't really get that until the girl breaks up with him. So there's a lot more going on there. I think if if I had to... So, like, by the end of the movie, I was trying to figure out, like, what is this guy's motivation? What does he actually want to do? And I think that, like, the way he articulates it is, I want to clean out the scum... But I don't think he really... I don't think that's really what he wants to do. No. I think it's just, like, he wants to be a hero or he wants to save somebody. Yeah. Because, like, the first girl um, that he gets involved with, he, like, builds in his mind, even though there is nothing wrong with this lady at all, but in his mind he builds up that, like, she's suffering because she's working for, I guess, Palatine and, like, she's not allowed to be who she wants to be because she's working for Palatine. So that's why he tries to, like assassinate Palatine at some at one point. Yeah. Um, because he wants to save her, even though she absolutely does not need saving. I don't know if it was saving. It just felt more like he wanted her attention in yeah. any way possible, right? Yeah. And if he, she saw him gunning down the person, like, she was... I'm assuming he thought she respected the most. Yeah. Because, like, she was volunteering for him. That would get her attention, and then he'd be someone... In mm-hmm. her eyes, not just like. Well, I'm not saying that like he actually wanted to save her. I'm saying he wants to save the version of her that he built up in his head, and like, that's also. Oh, I yeah. see. Yeah, yeah, and also like get her attention, like you said. Yeah, yeah, that's true because I noticed in the first date he was very, it was it was really creepy in that he was very controlling. Mm-hmm. Like he. Uh, Hell of a conversationalist. Yeah, <laughs> like because he, he was saying how she doesn't. He was getting into her emotions and being like. Oh, you know that guy you work with? You mm-hmm. don't actually feel anything for him. Yeah. I could tell there's nothing there, but when I walked in, I could tell there was something between us. You know? Yeah. 
and he and he wasn't like asking. He was like, "I know this, you know." Yeah. And if you don't, then you're stupid. Right. Essentially, right. Um. So. I could see how, yeah, I could see how like he's saving her from like the fakeness of politics or something, or, something. or like from from that. I don't know. Like he wanted he wanted something. Yeah. But the reason, but like. The thing that really drives home, like he wants to save someone for me, is when he uh, starts um, starts going out with the other girl, who is a prostitute, mm. and uh, he well, wants not to, really going out with. I wouldn't say not not really, but he yeah. like he goes on a date with her once. I wouldn't say that was a date. Yeah, fair enough. It was just more like he was trying to help her. She might have thought it was a date. Either way, know. he's interested in her. You think so? I thought so. I don't know, man. Yeah, fair enough. Like, he might have been in, like, some weird way, but he didn't know it. Well, he's interested in her at least as far as his motives go. Because, again, this is where he's like, I really want to save this person from the life that she's in. Like, you don't want to be in this life. I want to get you out. I want to help you. I want to get you to go to school. I guess we should clarify this. We're talking about later in the movie, he's trying to save. His motivation is to try to save this. I don't know how old she is. Is she supposed to be 12 years old? I don't think so. No, she wasn't supposed to be 12. Because he, like, thought she was 12, right? No, I don't think so. Did he? I didn't catch that. If that, if that, I feel like I remember. But anyway, she's, she was she's young. a young she's prostitute. Like, I want to say twenty, early twenties. Okay, yeah. Um, and he wants to help her get out of that life. Yeah, so he takes her out to like kind of check Even in on though, her and, see and how like, she's doing. There is actually reason to believe she wants to get out of that life. But again, she like denies the entire time that she actually wants to get out and do anything else. Like she's yeah. like, this is. This is fine. I'm fine here. Well, that's the thing with his character is that he assumes yeah. he knows best over everyone else. Yeah, but I point that out because it's important that, like, he says he you know, he thinks he knows best, but both of these women, both both of them don't, or at least at the very at the very least they tell him, like, no, I'm fine where I am. I don't need to go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's reason to believe that that's not the entire truth with the second one, mm-hmm. but she does nonetheless say, this is fine. So I just point that out because, like, it is very much him insisting that he knows what's best for both of these people. Yeah. And he doesn't really give, or at least for the prostitute, he doesn't really give her a real out, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. You know, he's just just like, you got to leave and I'll give you money. Yeah. And then you'll do fine. But that doesn't doesn't work for people. Like, if you're, uh, I don't want to get into social, social issues or anything, but if you're a prostitute... Getting three hundred bucks to start a new life isn't gonna like save you. you well, know? true, but like the three hundred bucks was going to be to get her back to Philadelphia so that she could be back with her family and they oh, would help true. out the rest. That's fair, yeah. So that's and I guess that does happen in the end. Oh shit, did I? <laughs> no, no, it, it's fine. Like, <laughs> okay, don't worry okay. about spoiling it. But like, yeah. I want to talk about the ending in detail later. Okay, cool. Yeah. Because um, like, I've that got a lot. Interesting. Part. I've got a lot to say about the ending. Mm. Um, but where were we? We're, about, we're talking about his motivations. Yeah. Like. So, like, because of both of these... Well, like, because of both of these things, he, like, tries to assassinate this presidential candidate twice, kind of. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, once, maybe he's not even... I don't even what know if he's... the first time? Well, the first time he goes to one of his rallies, and I honestly don't know if he has a gun or not there, but oh, he's, he's, he's definitely the, scoping it out when, when he, he talks, talks to the, the security, security guard. Uh, yeah. Secret Service. That was a really... 
create tense scenes. Yeah, seriously. I actually thought I thought the ending of that scene was really funny because he's talking to the security guard. They're they're supposedly getting on. Like he's talking about, oh, I I want to be in the Secret Service, and like, how do I get in the Secret Service? And he talks, and you know, they're having a good conversation. And the moment he leaves, the security the Secret Service guy waves over to his buddy and is like, this guy's super suspicious. Yeah, I thought that was nobody because. Remember he the security guards or the secret, secret service. service guy is like it's like oh look, give me your home address yeah and then I'll search and then I was like oh he's being nice and then it's like no and then Travis gave him a fake name and address yeah and then I was like oh shit he's trying to that's like really smart I didn't yeah. think of that like he's trying to like bait him in right um, because yeah I, I remember watching that scene and be like a secret service agent would not socialize with someone like that like. Or like 90% sure so casually and talk about stuff like that. You know? I mean, like, it does... Yeah, I feel like generally a Secret Service agent would probably just be like, can you go away? I'm, I'm busy. Yeah. But, like, if if someone engages with the Secret Service at all and, like, they do and they don't immediately disengage, I can imagine, like, you know, be cordial to the guy because you do want to get information about the people around you, right? Mm-hmm, like, that was clearly a suspicious dude and... He knew that from just talking to the guy. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, I, I bought it mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so he basically tries to assassinate the uh, politician twice and fails twice, and then as su- immediately afterwards, both times he goes to see uh, the young prostitute. Mm. Um, the first time he just goes to see her and like introduce himself, and that's where we get the breakfast scene the next day. And the second time he actually goes to like kill everybody yeah which so. is also oh my god there's so many weird scenes i want to talk about yeah shit all right uh, uh here you you we, start. we were supposed to start at the beginning dude so like no okay so yeah or, or we can start at the beginning like, like well i want to make sure i don't miss anything so there's the taxi he goes on the taxi he, he he does his taxi stuff yeah. right and that and then he he scopes out the girl mm-hmm. and he's creeping on her. So that's like pretty basic, right? That's like yeah. the first act is just like him getting well, along with this girl. So the and first then her rejecting act, him. The first act is really setting up the world kind of. So it, it sets up him and this girl. It sets up just he has a couple of scenes there, there's a couple of scenes where he's not even really in it and it's just showing the uh politi- the the political office like the campaign office. Mm, yeah. He's there. He's just not really in the scene. So it's just yeah. kind of setting up these characters. And um, I really like the first act a lot because it's um, it it sets up these different characters, it sets up these different scenes. And uh, what I really liked is um, when he's driving around. So the first act is the only part that's actually narrated. No, no it's, it's, it's not. not. No, yeah. it's narrated the whole way through. Yeah. But the first act is like the first act is him talking about himself. So it sets up him a lot. And when he's uh, when he's driving through the city, they always have this the one single jazz song playing. Mm-hmm. And um, you get a lot of just, like, shots of just him driving in the city or just, like, scenes of the city, which I thought set it up, uh, set up the world really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it felt very Gotham-y. I yeah. think it sounded really corny, but it, it did. Well, it was, uh, I, the first time I looked up this movie, and I didn't read too much into it, but it said neo-noir thr- uh, crime Actually, thriller. I guess and, it's like, just a noir city. Yeah, but, like, it, it really, I wouldn't. My first instinct would not be to call it a noir movie, but it is a really good noir movie. Yeah. So it's setting up that really well. well and, you know um, what's kind of cool about that is that I think it has all the elements of a noir movie, but the protagonist is, like, completely off. Yeah. You know, it has, has kind of, like, the... F- I, I thought she was kind of a femme fatale. As in, 
she I wouldn't say she was dangerous. Who? Which the, one? The love interest. What's which, her name? Which one? The first one? The first one, yeah. yeah. What's her name? Betsy, I think. Betsy, okay. Well we'll just go with Betsy. We'll go with Betsy. But I she, think it's Betsy. You know, she she had the she had the look for it, I would yeah. say. And she was, you know, kind of wise cracking towards him and mm-hmm. stuff. Had the elements of that. Except so yeah, it had all of that. And then like this is like you have the hero, right? The mm-hmm. protagonist guy, but in this case he's like I I know I'm being like a mentally unstable cabbie and not like yeah. a detective, you know. Yeah, he wasn't. But he's trying to play the role of. Yeah, a because noir he hero. definitely he definitely was not, you know, the typical noir detective. But he kind of was in the role, like he was kind of forcing himself into that role in a way. Yeah, like there's that whole training scene of mm-hmm. him, like learning how to use a gun and working out and. Yeah, the second half of this movie is a complete is, is well shifts tonally a lot. So in the first half, it's very calm. Like, you've got that jazz, uh, that one single jazz song throughout the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got him, like, having not having not really a relationship, but the beginning of what could be a maybe okay relationship with this girl until it goes south. Like, it's never great, but, like, you can see it just, like, he's super awkward and... Yeah. It, it could, thought, it could go somewhere. It's not really... It's not going to go anywhere, but, yeah. like... I thought everything about that whole relationship was just, like, It was off. From the everything about it was off. I but don't at know the if same that was time, on purpose or not. I though, think you know? so, because, like, there were a couple of things... There were a couple of thoughts I had at the, at the end of this movie. One was, like, what I... Like, I tried to figure out his motive, and then two was, like, this is the story of a weird dude. Yeah. Like, just from the very beginning, he is a weird dude. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like, was he supposed to be... Because I can't tell because it is, like, from the 70s, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like the way guys, like, talk to girls, especially on dates, was a lot different. But he was, you know, he was very, like, assertive and controlling what we talked about before where he's like, this is what you're thinking. Yeah. I know what you're thinking, you know? And he I was mean... saying how he's, like, better. He, he was essentially... It just it felt very cringy, you know. Like it was very like nowadays it'd be like yeah. kind of like edge lord. I mean stuff. I don't. I can't presume to know very much about the seventies either. True. Yeah. But I can't imagine that that was like that's definitely a that's definitely not every single person. That's like a very particular character for True, sure. True. Yeah. But like, could that be mistaken as charisma back then? Because I don't think it could now at all. Well, I don't know. Like. It definitely came across as false confidence for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, because he's not really that person in any other interaction. Like, his interactions with both of the female leads are quite different than his interactions with even, like, the Secret Service guy or... Yeah, he does act a lot more confident, I'd yeah. say. He and, and like it's it's sort of a like it's sort of a really aggressive confidence with the two girls and then with the Secret Service guy it's confidence but it's not really quite the same tone. No, it felt very like like I'm I'm the I'm the bitch in this scenario. <laughs> you know, like, please don't hurt me. Yeah. But like I'm gonna try to suck up to you and see yeah. what I can get. You know. Mm-hmm. Same thing with like I'd say the the pimp. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like there was one more I can't remember. Um, oh, the Palatine and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. Throughout the like, I don't know. I'm not a hundred percent sure what his where we're getting his real character because even in his diary, it's like that's probably the closest we're getting to his real character. But I don't believe everything in that diary, and that's his narration, right? I can't really remember the diary. I remember the letter to his parents. Yeah. That was completely fake. So we know he's not even honest with his parents. Oh, yeah. 
It's, uh, but so, I, I also think that's kind of shows what he thinks of himself. Mm-hmm. As in, like, he deserves to be these things. Like, what didn't he say? He's like he said that he he said he works for the government, and that's why he can't tell them any oh, details. Yeah. Making a lot of money. He has yeah. a great girl. Uh, yeah. So that's like who he wants to be slash yeah. what he thinks he deserves, and then contrast it to what he's actually getting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I guess the entire girl plotline that was just his motivation. I'd say though, right? Yeah. He he wants to be this person that he tells his parents that he is. Mm-hmm. And like the girl was the first step. Yeah, the girl is the first step, and um, you know, being the right kind of person to basically whisk this girl off her feet is the first step to that too, which mm-hmm. is you know, so that's, that's why he put on that persona. Which is why he puts on that persona, and eventually like trains to be essentially like a domestic terrorist. <laughs> yeah, that was essentially it. So yeah, so then next. After they break up, it's essentially him learning to become a domestic terrorist, <laughs> yep. right? Yeah, he, well, he's training to, like, take out Palantine for whichever reason he yeah, decided. Yeah, it's not entirely clear. It's not 100% clear. And, like, when he goes to see Palantine, too, it's like, he always chickens out. And I don't know, and, like, depending on what his motivation for being there is in the first place, changes entirely why he's leaving. Because, yeah. like, if he's there... Like, if he's there to save the girl from Palatine, he goes there, he sees that she's happy and that Palatine's not really a threat, and then just leaves. But if yeah. he's there to, like, I don't know, do something else, like... That's the thing, his motivations seem to change really drastically, like... Yeah. Over... Because, like, yeah, his initial goal is to, like... It looks like it's to kill... No, his initial goal, I'd say, is to clean up the scum, right? You're right. But then all of a sudden, he's, like, going for Palantine. So that's what I'm thinking is, like, who does he think the scum is? Because does he think that Palantine is a scum? Or does he think that, like, it's the pimp? Or does that change? Or does his perspective change on that basically on a whim? It feels like a projection thing. Where yeah. I think he internally thinks he is scum. But him killing the scum is, like, his way of, like, I'm not as bad as them. I'm mm-hmm. better. I'll show I'll, like I'll show you by yeah I'm I can rise kill everyone to, I can rise them. to the top by killing those on my level exactly yeah but he, like he's doing that on a subconscious level but yeah. he, uh, internally he thinks he is better than them he's the hero he just mm-hmm. has to show people he's the hero yeah I don't know how Palatine draws into that I do know that I will say he obviously is a very confused character I don't even think he knows what he wants yeah the time because he wants the girl and then he wants to save the girl from Palatine, but then he also wants to... There's a, there's a lot of stuff There's a going lot on. going on in this character. Yeah. So, like, I only uh, I only managed to watch this movie once, but, like, mm-hmm. if I'd have watched it three times, we'd still be sitting here having the same conversation. Like, there's, there's so much going on in this yeah. movie. So yeah. I will watch this again, for sure. So we um, have the training scene. I remember the training stuff. That was pretty solid. I wouldn't say there was much up to interpretation well, there. So, one thing that I loved throughout this entire movie and it start, I started noticing it when Palatine, when he was driving Palatine around. Yeah. Um, I keep saying Palatine. Is it Palatine or Palatine? Palatine. I, I, honestly, I think Palpatine. <laughs> Every I, time I see it, yeah. I thought Palpatine too. Um, but anyway, so, what I really liked, one thing I really liked about this movie is his politics are never clear. They never say what his politics are. True, yeah. 
on on a case, like every time you hear him, he's only saying platitudes, mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily his entire speech. We only see hear bits of his speech mm-hmm. where he's saying like, "We are the people. It's time to give the power back." So like cliche stuff. Yeah, the vibe I got off of him was like. I actually got the, the initial vibe, and I think it's wrong, but the initial vibe I got off him was, like, he was, like, a new segregationist. I have no idea if that's right. It's probably mm. completely wrong, but, like, that's the vibe I got mm. from him because I, like, I guess I internalized him as a villain, but, like, it's it's hard to say. I don't even know what uh, Martin Scorsese wants us to think of him because he never makes the politics clear. Well, that might be the and, point. Like, that he is the point. want to, like, take a side, right? See, see, that's the point. Like, I really like that his politics are never clear. Mm-hmm. I don't know what role Palatine has in the story. Specific, mm-hmm. Because, like, I don't know if I'm supposed to like him or if I'm supposed to dislike him or, like... What? He's kind of there. He's just he's just kind of there, except that he's important. That he's a, important enough that like that almost doesn't seem satisfying. Except that like he doesn't need to do any more. Mm-hmm. What gave me that? Um, the reason I thought what I did, and like the reason he initially seemed sinister, is when he's talking in the um, when he's talking to Travis in the taxi cab, and Travis starts talking about how he wants to how he wants someone to clean up all the scum and stuff. Palatine gets like gets really unsettled, mm. but not in like a, oh, this guy, but like it doesn't come across to me in like a, oh, this guy's dangerous way. It's more like a, oh, I think he gets it way is what I, what I, what I kind of got. And mostly the reason I say that is like his people are talking to him about, I guess, probably how to interpret what this guy's saying the whole mm. time. So it sounds like he's like, yeah, I think I can work with that. That's what I got with that. Yeah. And like, to me that gave off a really sinister vibe and like I just associated what what I would think a sinister 76 politician would be like. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I I projected politics onto him. That's fair. But like I don't know if Palatine is supposed to be good or bad basically. I, yeah. I that wasn't I, that wasn't I clear it, and that wasn't necessarily important. No, I think you wanted us to focus on just the fact like it it might have been because it it shows that Travis, he wasn't killing him for his politics. He was just killing him because... Because yeah. remember, he talks to the the girl mm-hmm. at the start, and he's like, I don't know anything about Palatine. Yeah, the Palatine. very first thing that they... The very first interaction he has about Palatine it has him saying, like, I don't know his politics. Yeah, I don't know anything about him. He just seems like a good guy. Right? Yeah. That might be like, why is it like the politics don't matter to him? Yeah. It's not about logic, right? It's just mm-hmm. about the emotion of I, either he's trying to save the girl or he feels like he took her attention away from him or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, the, yeah, the point is he's he's more of a symbol and a plot yeah. device rather than um, an actual antagonist. Or anything, right. You know, yeah. Yeah, he's not really, he's not really on a side. He's just kind of there. Mm-hmm. He, he exists. <laughs> Palatine exists to characterize the, uh, to characterize Betsy, really. There you go. Yeah, yeah he's, that's, that's pretty much the only reason he's in that movie. Yeah, is because the entire Betsy pro- plot line revolves around his presence. Mm. Not even necessarily him, just the fact that he's there exists. Yeah, yeah. honestly, he didn't even probably didn't even need to show up in the movie. No, I'm glad like, he did. He but like, yeah. yeah, he could have just. I I honestly didn't expect him to ever show up in the really? movie. Really? Oh. Well, I mean, you know, early on, and then he did, and I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, he's there. Yeah, and then yeah. you know. It was important that he came back, but I initially thought that, like, he was going to be this far-off dude, you know, mm. campaigning in California or something. Yeah. Uh, so, 
That's basically the second act, and then the third. We can talk about the ending, I guess. Do you buy the ending? The very ending. Yeah. Actually, no. Let's talk. About, I want to talk about why. Sorry. <laughs> why? What was he? Was he? Did he want? So first of all, he. I say this is like the beginning of the third act. He. He talks. No, he goes to the the place, the the rally to shoot Palatine, yeah. and then he he's about to. And then he gets caught, so he runs, right? Mm-hmm. He said he was going to die. I don't think he was... It didn't seem like he was ready to die, apparently. Because well, he wrote in that envelope to... What's her name? The prostitute. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I can't remember your name. Oh, it's uh, I- Iris. Iris. Iris, yeah, yeah. Iris. He writes in the letter to Iris that, like, I'm going to die. Here's my money. But then he doesn't go for it. Well, I don't... really confusing to me. I wonder... The impression I got when he wrote that letter was that his real intention was to go and kill the pimp. That was the impression I got, is that that was what he wanted to do. But, like... But then he went to kill Palatine. But then he... Yeah, he went to kill Palatine because, like... I'm not really sure exactly why, but also, like, that's... It parallels the first time that he, like, goes to see what's going on with the pimp, right? Because he goes to Palatine first, then when he gets rejected by that situation, he goes to the pimp because the pimp is, like... I guess easier to approach than Palatine Ooh, is. That's cool. Yeah. So, so like he thought he was better. Yeah. He was where he was. He thought he was more courageous or something like that. Well, it's like he thinks he's above all these people, right? Yeah. So he goes to prove he's above all these people by you know shooting Palatine. Well, dealing with this situation that is very clearly above his pay grade, and then when that situation rejects him, he goes to uh, he goes to the pimp who's like a little closer to actually being on his level and he's like alright I'm gonna prove myself now except mm-hmm. it's a much easier situation for him to deal with mm-hmm. so it's almost like it's almost like he's kind of giving up on that whole situation which is Palatine and Betsy and everything related to it mm-hmm. and not really settling but moving down to something that's actually much more achievable for him yeah yeah that's that's, that's actually pretty fair I don't it just felt weird. It, it did. It, did. it felt like a really big jump. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so he goes, he kills all those uh, people. Mm-hmm. And then... And he gets shot in the neck. Yeah, I don't know how that worked. He, he got... Did he get... Did it graze it, him? It or? grazed him. Oh, okay. Because I was really... I thought he was dead. He dude, was losing right? blood, but like, it, it grazed him. He got really lucky because like, it wasn't... He wasn't even losing enough blood that he should have necessarily bled out. Like, mm-hmm. he could have survived that. Yeah. Um... Anyway. Yeah, so he kills all those people. Yeah. That, that felt like a very... It was just a very raw, disturbing scene, honestly. And did you notice that the music during that scene was a really dark version of the single jazz song that plays really? throughout the entire movie? That's cool. I know. Yeah. I I re- like, so originally I thought it was just like some jazz... So- well, I mean, not in this scene, but I thought that like when he's driving around, it's just some jazz song. Yeah. Later on, I noticed that like... You know, the fifth or sixth time he's driving around, I'm like, this is just the same jazz song. And then at the end, I'm like, oh, this is the same jazz song. Mm. So, like, I really liked the use of music in this. Because, like, it was it was only that one jazz song in different versions. And I think one Jackson Brown song, mm. which I don't remember the lyrics to now. But at the moment, we're, like, really, really creepily spot on to mm. what was happening. Mm. Um if I take a look at my Shazam, I Shazammed what the song was. And, yeah. like, it was it was talking about, I think it's a Jackson Brown song where he's, like, 
talking about breaking up with a girl or something, and the lyrics are like, you can very clearly see how if that's not exactly what happened, that's probably it's probably describing in detail exactly what Travis is thinking in that moment. Yeah. So it was the use of music in this movie is very good. Mm. Uh, by this time, it turns out uh, Martin Scorsese already had his Master of Fine Arts in filmmaking, mm. so you know you can tell that he puts a lot of thought into it. Yeah. I mean, obviously he does. He's been making some of the best, mo- some of the most consistently good movies around for like over 40 years now so he's good at his stuff yeah uh so yeah and then i guess you want to talk about the very very end yeah i don't buy it what do you mean i don't think that happened you don't think it happened i don't think that happened really no um i think it did dude i don't know exactly what happened but like i don't think he got better and like you think he died or you mean he's in a coma i don't know like he was in a coma for a while, yeah, so maybe he's just in a coma. But, yeah. like, I don't think he got better and just went back to being a taxi driver. And also, if you notice, all the newspapers on the wall are, like, local taxi driver hero wipes out wipes out gangsters. Mm-hmm. It's like, first of all, yeah, they were gangsters, I suppose, by definition, but they weren't really... This was, It's not like he wiped out a major crime family. He went and murdered some guys. True. And, like... Local hero, sure, maybe to some, but like it's not a unanimous like not he's not gonna be unanimously hailed as a hero for that. Yeah. And also like he just went back to life as normal. No one nothing nothing changed. Except that in the end, he kind of gets the girl. Like the the first girl. Not really, yeah. but like they sort of make up. That's true, yeah. It, so like it was everything a... in the end is just too perfect. Even if it's not actually perfect, it's just yeah. too good to be true. Yeah. And I don't buy it, especially because this is very... So this is where I wanted to talk about The King of Comedy. Mm. So there's another movie that Scorsese did. I want to say... I want to say it was later. It might have been a little earlier. I think this was 82, though. Uh, also Robert De Niro called The King of Comedy. And um, honestly, it's what I imagine the new Joker movie is going to be about. It's about this guy who... Um, really wants to be a stand-up comedian. More importantly, he wants to be a really successful stand-up comedian. But he doesn't actually want to go through any of the work. So, like, he never goes to any stand-up shows. He, he develops a lot of material. Mm-hmm. Some of it is pretty good, apparently. Uh, we never hear any of it until the end. Um, so some of it is pretty good. And, but, like, he doesn't go to clubs to do it. He doesn't, like, get a job as a stand-up comic to practice his material. Mm-hmm. He just, like, stalks this late-night show host uh, until he can get on his show. Yep. And, like, when he finally gets rejected by the late show host, and because he's, like, he actually, like, goes out to the guy's, um, like, uh, his vacation home and says, yeah, we're staying the weekend. And the late show's like, no, you're not, and kicks him out. When that finally happens, he's like, all right, if I want to become famous, I got to kidnap him. So he kidnaps the guy uh, as one of his demands he says that he has that he wants to be the first guest on that show yeah. goes on um you know gives his stand up routine it is actually kind of funny like it's it's pretty amateur i guess but it's it's not bad yeah um and then afterwards you know gets arrested for kidnapping and goes to jail and then we get another ending that's like too good to be true and in that movie it's a little more explicit 
not the ending, but it's a little more explicit that like some scenes clearly don't happen. Mm-hmm. Like there's one scene where he just like is talking to the late night to the late show host in the guy's office, and the late show host is talking about how this is the how he's the greatest genius he's ever met, and he just doesn't even know how he comes up with such good jokes. And he's like walking around the room like I just don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. And it's in this scene that he actually invites him to his vacation home. Mm-hmm. So like this is happening in the dude's head, but he like can't separate reality from his own fiction a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot more explicit in that movie. And you think that, maybe Scorsese like learned to do that after people took Taxi Driver too literally or something? No, not necessarily. It's a very different movie tonally. Like, there's a lot. It's it's it is different. It's similar, but um, the character in that movie is not Travis Bickle. Okay. They both have problems like separating reality from fiction. Mm-hmm. It's just like one dude is clearly delusional. The other guy just has trouble sleeping so he might exaggerate the reality sometimes which I do think happens in some of those scenes mm-hmm. the ending of this mo- of, of Taxi Driver reminded me a lot of the ending of The King of Comedy because to spoil the entire movie what happens at the end is um, he goes to he goes to jail for six years for kidnapping but he gets out after two and a half on good behavior immediately his memoirs are like a bestseller everywhere like the king of Com- the new king of comedy how i like kidnapped a guy and got on the show or something yeah. those are a bestseller everywhere and he immediately gets his own late night show yeah. and is hugely popular in the states yeah to some degree that's satirizing like celebrity culture to Forget some degree that's probably not some some part of that may happen like i absolutely believe that if the dude wrote memoirs those would sell like hotcakes because it's such a weird story even in the world. Yeah. But I don't buy that whole ending. Like, I don't think that whole ending happened. And that's what remind. and that reminded me a lot of, I I was remembering that a lot in Taxi Driver where like everything that happens is just actually too good to be true. Mm. Is it true? I guess maybe, but I didn't buy it. That's true, yeah. Yeah, I remember like my first reaction was, oh, like the parents were totally fine with it. Which like... That's, I, that's I kind thought of that believable. was off-putting, honestly. It's off-putting, but, like, that's not totally uh, unbelievable. Think about it. Her parents had essentially... She kind of implies that her parents had essentially disowned her earlier. That's yeah, what I got, anyway. Yeah. I don't know if that's actually what's happening, but, like, that that's what I got out of their first... Out of one of their early interactions. And so, like, I can kind of believe it if she comes back and, like says, you know, I'm out of prost I I'm I'm no longer a prostitute, here's what happened, that her parents would be like almost unsettlingly super cool with it. Can I like maybe not really? Okay, but yeah. if they're cool with it, it would be like really unsettling mm-hmm. to one of us who like, you know, is reading that. Yeah. That's not super unbelievable by itself. Mm-hmm. But then also all of the newspapers praising this guy as a hero for having a really bad day and killing three people, yeah. four people. I think he killed a cop, didn't he? He shot mm, at him for sure. No, 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 no. Okay. I remember the, the cop came in, he was like, oh, okay, so motions yeah. to his head to kill him. Or yeah. kill himself or something. He yeah. wanted to kill himself. I don't buy that the city unanimously thinks that guy is a hero after yeah, that. Yeah. And like he had multiple newspaper clippings claiming just that. So, you know, I don't buy that ending. Mm. Yeah, and I feel like if the girl, if he saw the girl again, he he wouldn't just like forget about her, you know? Like, cause he, I I guess that's a big one where he was basically obsessed with this girl mm-hmm. for like half the movie, and then she comes, she kind of comes back. She, I wouldn't say she was like into him, but she wanted to talk to him. Yeah, you know. But then she, he like basically like 
rejects her approach for conversation you know he's like if it felt very much like you're not you're not worth it yeah which like I, I I'm, I'm on to better things you know I'm thinking about this too like I can see how every part of that fits together in his head because he accomplishes his goal he's a hero he's somebody the he's better than the girl he, rather than just getting her you know and like he's he saved this girl even her parents love him now they want to come visit him but they can't but anyway he's welcome there whenever and then he gets back and and then he's you know driving his taxi she gets in and he's like I'm better than you now. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, all of this is, like, a... It, it, it kind of plays out... Not the entire thing, but the, the ending kind of plays out like a weird revenge fantasy. Mm -hmm. Like a really strange one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so, a good point. Yeah, I never really thought of it that way. Yeah. So, maybe some part of that happens. I don't buy that that ending is the whole truth. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think, like... But that's really the only explicit scene that I think... That's the only scene I think... I, I see in that that explicitly I don't think happened. Honestly, see, there are. Oh, sorry. He might have just died. I could totally yeah. see that. Like, Honestly, that's that what scene, I think happened. Is if like, anything, he just died or went into a coma or something. Bled out. Yeah, yeah. The coma. It felt almost uh, that was Birdman esque. You know? Have you seen Birdman? I have seen Birdman. Yeah, yeah the ending. The ending, because he's like, doesn't he like shoot himself? No, I think he jumps out a window, doesn't he? No, no. Remember, I think he he's on stage, right? And then he shoots himself with either a prop gun or a real gun, but then it's like. The prop he thought it was a prop gun, but it is a real gun, and he shoots it, and then he gets put into a coma, right, where he has that beak. Yeah. And then he jumps out the window and flies away. Flies, quote unquote. You don't yeah. know if he flies or not. Um, but then there's like, you know, he might have just died there, honestly. Yeah. Because it felt very dreamlike that after state. You know, like how how weird is it that he survived, but then he gets that bird nose. Yeah. You know, it just felt too. A little too convenient that mm -hmm. it all lines up like that. Right? Exactly. And, like, that's what it comes down to is there's a few scenes in this. So it's mo it's explicit in the ending. But there's a few scenes that are just, like, a little too convenient. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't fully buy the, like, dude getting into his car and wanting to kill his wife. Like, mm -hmm. to some degree that happened. It's a little too convenient how it lines up with everything. Mm -hmm. And, like, yeah, there's some element of it that happened, but, like, I don't know if that full scene... I, th I think that's, like, maybe exaggerated I can somehow. see that. Like, it, it starts very casual, mm -hmm. and then it ramps ramps up into, like, him basically saying to this random taxi driver that he wants to murder his wife. Yeah. Or the the guy that fucked his wife. Yeah. You know? So, like, I could totally see that... It just felt out of nowhere, you know? Mm -hmm. And that he played it up in his mind. Yeah. That this is what, she, like, they deserve. Therefore, I'm going to do that, too. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And... Even and that might even be that might even be one other interpretation of the scene where he's driving the politician around because like the politician looks really unsettled in the back. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not sure what that unsettlement actually is, mm -hmm. but in some way it could be like he's he's seeing that because we don't see it. We don't actually see the politician being unsettled. We see it through the mirror. So he's yep. looking. So we're seeing it from from his perspective. You know, maybe when he's looking at that, he's seeing that like the politician maybe thinks he's a creep or like doesn't agree with him. Yeah. And so that gives him just enough motivation to say, "Oh, maybe this guy's not actually the greatest guy." And that leads into like, you know, now since he's since he's not really all that great, I can justify killing him. Maybe he's the scum, right? Yeah. That's true. I don't know. I don't know how much of that is actual, but like yeah. you know, there's another reading of that scene. Yeah. Well, yeah. As a whole, I just say this movie. Movie, like it's a very, it's a very simple movie. I don't know if I'd like. 
I'd say plot-wise, it's very simple, but there's it's it's really sophisticated. Like, there's a lot going on. Yeah, and there's a lot of interpret interpretability. Yeah, yeah. Which is what makes it so interesting. Well, that's what makes this a classic movie. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of things to pick apart and like lots of ambiguity. Mm-hmm. It's cool, but not too much, you know. Where it, it draws you in enough no. to like want to find out more you can, of what's happening. Yeah, if you're not like, I mean, I'm I'm already trying to analyze the movie when I'm, the moment it starts. But like, if you're not doing that, you can watch this movie and like it's just a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as you want to look deeper, there's lots to look at. Yeah. Like, we could if. If both of us had seen this movie a couple more times, we could sit here probably for hours dissecting everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, again, that's what makes it a classic. These things, yeah. you, you watch, I remember I was watching the credits and I was like, God damn, that was like, that's some deep shit. You know? Yeah, I, I left it on for the whole credits yeah. because I'm like, this is, I, I, I like this. And also, yeah. you know what plays in the credits? That single jazz song. It does, yeah, it keeps going. Uh, you know what? I think I think in our intro, uh, maybe you can cut this part out. But in our intro, I'll just put in that jazz song. Yeah, that'd be nice. So yeah, I don't really have anything else to say. Really. Yeah, um, I I feel like I want to have more more to say, but I don't I don't know offhand. Like yeah. I said, I only got to watch it once. Yeah, that's true. I don't. Um, I, I I feel like I also don't want to overthink it. You know? Yeah, the, it would be easy to overthink this movie, especially like. After only watching it once. Exactly. Yeah. I just, I like I like the feeling it gave off. It was very unsettling, mm-hmm. kind of disturbing, but it also made you yeah question kind of like. And also like it was life. it was unsettling, but like I watched another movie earlier this year called The House That Jack Built, which mm. is a Lars Van Trier movie. So it was stupidly unsettling. Mm. Like it made me. It was the tensest movie I saw all year, and like it made me on edge the entire rest of the night. Yeah. Um, but like this one wasn't that like. It goes out of its way to make the first half, sure, unsettling, but, like, there's also a lot of calm moments, like with that jazz song. And then at the end, it's just, like, cityscapes with that jazz song playing again. So it's, you know, another calm moment. So, like, it's got... It's got this. It's got this good arc where it's, like, really calm, and then it descends into madness and then comes back. And, like, it's like, now you've been there, now let's calm down. Let's decompress for a bit. Which, uh... You know, I really not every movie needs to do that, but I like it when they do, and mm-hmm. and it works. Yeah, it did work well. So uh, yeah, that's one and kind of a half Martin Scorsese movie because I talked a little bit about the King of Comedy. Maybe mm-hmm. I looked at his how many movies he's put out. He's put out a lot. Maybe we can. Well, he's uh, an old guy, so yeah, yeah, that makes sense. He's got another movie coming out this year. Uh, it's on Netflix. The too. Irishman, right? Yeah. Yeah, stacked cast. That looks really cool. And that's his fifth collaboration with Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. So like. Early on in his career, very early on, he worked with uh, with Robert De Niro a lot. Mm-hmm. And then, like, they just didn't work on anything for a while. And this will be his first collaboration with Robert De Niro in almost 15 years. That's cool. Yeah. I really hope he puts in a good performance. Because yeah. I think De Niro's been phoning it in for a while. I haven't seen him in anything for a while. So, like, know, I, like, I was all, he was pretty in Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, he was good in that. Um, he definitely does get a lot of roles that are just like, oh, we need De Niro to fill this out. That's true, yeah. He 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 feels more like a De Niro character yeah. rather than a an so, actor. Like I actually didn't I didn't see this movie, but I would imagine the internship was probably one of those. Um, he was in the internship. He was in the internship. Yeah. Uh, Meet the Fockers. The the first one, Meet the Parents was good. The other two 
and I can't he was remember. he was kind of phoning it in in the second one. I don't think I saw the third one, yeah. but like I can't. I, I think I saw somewhere that he was phoning it in. Like yeah. I saw someone review it. Yeah. Um, anyway, but this is uh, this is a movie. The, the Irishman is a movie about Jimmy Hoffa. I think. I don't know who that is. Jimmy Hoffa was, uh, he was the president of the Teamsters Union, oh, cool. which uh, was just like a labor union in the States, and he went missing oh, wow. and has never been found. He's, he's probably dead now. Like, he went missing in the 70s yeah. and um, just wiped off the face of the earth. Hmm. Uh, no one ever found anything about him. Like, they, they did a joke in Bruce Almighty. Have you seen Bruce Almighty? Is that the one with Jim Carrey? Yeah. Or? Ah, uh, okay. it's been a while. Anyway, they did a joke in Bruce Almighty where, like, he finds out that he has, or when he first gets God powers, yeah. he uh, uses them to advance his career. And one of the first things he does is he, like, goes to, they gave him some assignment to go to uh, some pet day or something out at, this, just some fluff piece. Mm. And he's like, while I was here, they excavated the body of Jimmy Hoffa with a full set of dental records. <laughs> So, like, he immediately becomes the greatest uh, TV reporter ever because they just happened to find Jimmy Hoffa and he reported on it because he was there because he made it happen because he's God. So, um, yeah, anyway, that's who Jimmy Hoffa is. He got involved, I guess, with the gang, uh, with, with, with with the mob. Not that he was himself in the mob, but, like... I guess he pissed off the wrong person, who I'm assuming is Robert De Niro yeah. in this movie, because Jimmy Hoffa is being played by Al Pacino. Oh, cool. Yeah, nice. so it's, it's like you said, stacked cast. Going to be on Netflix, too, so... Yeah, do you know when? November or something. November, cool. Yeah. It is going to have a... Uh, there is going to be a theatrical release, so it might come out this summer, but like I haven't heard of a release date at all. Mm. So. Well, potentially a new classic movie. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that when it comes out, because I feel like we kind of have to now, now that we've talked it up even a little bit. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah, so this is our last episode for the time being. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll be back next sem- next uh, fall semester for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got some stuff I'm working on in the summer, so um, there's a possibility that there might be something during the summer, but I can't promise anything. Well, yeah, we'll uh, and yeah, we'll then. like Skype you in or something if we can. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, but until then, until then, it's been a pleasure. Uh, yeah, so thank you guys for listening, and thank you for to uh, my beautiful co-host. Aw, thank you. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you guys again next semester, I guess. Peace. And uh, yeah, watch Taxi Driver if you haven't. Yeah.